We are so glad you're here today, and I'm going to start by apologizing for my voice. I picked up a cough, and uh, I'm a little raspy, and I was like, I'm not going to sing during worship today, because that'll save my voice, and then I was like, forget that. I'm going to worship, and uh, so I'm a little raspy, and I'll probably cough in your ear a couple times, so sorry about that. Um, this is my beautiful daughter, Jordan. And a while back, I know some of you have heard this, we were having a conversation about our services, and Jordan, I just have to say, was not a fan. Uh, and so I asked her, like, what could we do to spice them up a little bit or make them more fun? And she's like, well, you could have donuts, first of all, and you could have games and prizes. And so... Each time that I've taught, we've had like a game and, and now Bertha is like making amazing treats out there and we had some uh, amazing donuts that I didn't even bring, so even better. Uh, we're working as a body, I love it. So uh, Jordan is going to explain the game to us and then I know we're going to all be enthusiastic to volunteer to play the game and I have some prizes for those that win the game, and we will mock whoever loses the game. <coughs> that is, that's our goal. No, just kidding. We won't mock. Laugh, men not mock. Okay. All right. Do you want to explain what you do? Do you want to demonstrate, maybe, what you do? Did you hear that? <sighs> if you don't speak teenager, let me introduce you to the first word. <sighs> you could use that for a variety of things. Uh, uh, the eye roll is also very effective. We were on a trip in Cambodia, and Jordan was teaching everyone how to roll their eyes at, at different things. So, all right, Jordan. So, okay. So what you're going to do, you're going to have a balloon in front of you. You have 10 cups. You're going to blow up the balloon as fast as you can, and you use the air in the balloon to knock off the cups. Now, hopefully you're faster than Jordan was at that, and it doesn't take you a full balloon for each cup. Uh, but we're actually going to race, and the first person to knock over all their cups will win a prize, all right? All right, so let's get some volunteers. Raise your hand. If you don't volunteer, I have no problem volunteering you. So, all right, Jordan, you know, pick some people. There's Jay, come on up, come on up. All right, we're going to do a couple rounds. Give him a round of applause. <coughs> okay, um, do you guys want to use the balloon that Jordan slobbered on, or would you like a fresh one? Okay, I'll put a fresh one down there. Okay. We left the extra balloons for Henson later. We're excited to see what he does when he sees them and is playing the keyboard. So, all right. Are you guys ready? Do you understand the rules? Okay. There's really not any rules. It's just not. Don't cheat. That's the only rule, okay? Now, this, this side of, of the room, you're going to vote here. This side here in the middle, pick whoever you like better, okay? <laughs> All right, wait for the music. On your mark, get set, go. All right, cheer them on. Oh, 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 oh. All right, set them back up. Nice job, nice job. All right, we have a caffeinated prize for you. All right, we're going to do a couple more rounds. 
So if you're the first person who's like, I'm not going to volunteer because I don't know what's going to happen up there. Like, okay, now we've had people demonstrate it for you, okay? I don't think it really matters that much. All right, so Jordan, pick some volunteers. All right. Come on up. No, I did not ask you to volunteer someone else. I asked you to volunteer. All right. Come over here. All right, you're with the blue. You got some fresh balloons. I don't know why. I think that's unnecessary. <coughs> Especially as I cough in your ear. Okay, did you guys learn anything from that first time? Yes. Like you have better strategy than maybe they had the first time? What'd you learn? How to blow balloons. Yeah. Okay, you didn't know how to blow a balloon before? No. Okay. <laughs> I am scared for our future, people. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Cheer them on, cheer them on. Come on, come on. Oh, we got some left. Oh, that was good. Yes, it's all yours. As long as I don't hear it during the service, it is all yours. All right. Nice job. Okay, Jordan. I think for this third and final round, we should pick some people. Not ask for volunteers. Just think of some people that it might be funny to watch them do this. So, Jordan, is there anyone that you think this would be kind of funny to watch them do this? Who? Betty Moore. All right. Now. <coughs> the only one I think could be funnier than Betty Moore is John Moore. So, John, come on up. He does have a lot of hot air, so. Yes, yeah, all the good-looking people today. Okay, Jordan, who do, who do you think's going to win in this group? Betty? Have you had a conversation with John? There's quite a bit of hot air that comes from that conversation. And you lose most of heat through your head, and so he doesn't have the hair to stop. Okay, I'm voting for John. Who are you voting for, Betty? Okay, here we go. Three, two, one, go! Come on, John. Come on, John. Oh, cheer him on, cheer him on. Cheer him on. Oh. Oh. Oh, one more for John. Yo. You can keep that. <laughs> All right. That was a fun game. <laughs> you know, when you compete against your wife at something, even if you win, you really kind of lose. So, And that was Betty's doing it was the most southern dainty uh, 
I've ever seen this game played. So that was very, it was very uh, telling. <laughs> well, it's all downhill from here. Uh, that was everything fun that I had planned. So. Um, we've been, um, over the last several weeks, talking about uh, the book of Ephesians. Uh, if you haven't he- been here, I encourage you, one, to go online and listen to the podcast or just, you know, maybe crack open the Bible and <laughs> turn to Ephesians. Uh, it's all there. But I thought it'd be helpful today to maybe start with a quick recap of Ephesians. And um, let's see if my clicker works here. There we go. So we start with previously on Ephesians, right? So uh, previously, as we've been studying this book, we learned about a Jewish scholar named Saul. And Saul was very anti-Jesus and anti-Jesus followers. And in fact, he had made it his mission to end the early church. Um, And he did this through persecution, even leading the Bible, it talks about one of the disciples who ends up getting killed, who ends up getting stoned um, in here. And, and, you know, if you made a list of the top things that the churches were worried about, I think Saul would have been at the very top. I don't even know how I'd equate him today, but uh, he was the chief person against the early church. But then he had a radical experience with Jesus um, that led him to actually become a disciple so he goes from being this guy, who, this Saul, who's persecuting the church. He changes his name because he has such a radical encounter, and, he, and now he's Paul. I think I would have gone a little further with the name change, Saul to Paul. Not too adventurous, but he changes his name, and not only does he become a follower of Jesus, he actually becomes the chief missionary, the chief person to take the gospel out past Jerusalem and past the Jewish people. And he takes a series of missionary trips. Uh, and on, So he takes four trips. And on his second trip, and if you want to read about these trips, it's in the book of Acts. And the second trip is in Acts 19. Um, and he goes to the city of Ephesus. And I think you can see it on there. Now, Ephesus at the time is the second largest city in Rome, right, in, in the Roman Empire. Right behind Rome, it's the second largest city. Um, Later on, Paul actually ends up in prison. um, And he writes a letter to this church that he met in Ephesus. And that's Ephesians in the Bible, is this letter that he's written. And so up to this point, we have really studied the first three chapters, which in this, Paul focuses on um, how we should see ourselves. Um, This is a word cloud of the first three chapters in Ephesians. And you can see some of the themes that come out there. Uh, Power, body, grace, uh, revelation, generations, known. These first three chapters, Paul is telling us, when you become a follower of Christ, this is what you become. You You become blessed with spiritual gifts, he says, in the first three chapters. He says, you're forgiven for your sins. You're redeemed. Uh, You now have an inheritance uh, with other members of the body of Christ, and you're a citizen of heaven. So first three chapters, pretty awesome stuff. I'm liking it. I don't know why I got chapter four. 
because first because Daniel assigned them, and he took all the the first early ones that were really easy. Um, <laughs> you got to watch Daniel in a planning meeting, man. He's sneaky uh, how he does it. But chapter four, he switches his focus, and he says, "Now that you know who you are," and I think it's really interesting that Paul says before we can talk about you and what you do, we need to talk about who you are and what you've been made and what's happened to you. And, and so he says, this is who you are because of what Christ did, because of what you've been given, but there's some areas in your life that we need to talk about. Anyone had a talk with anyone about an area in your life? Usually when someone says that, it's not. You're just so generous. You're just so fashionable, right? Like it, no, it's, it's never anything good like that. Um, but if you have your Bible, open up to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to pray really quick, and then we'll get into uh, what the book says. God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that you have redeemed us, Lord, that through your sacrifice that we are redeemed, God, that we get to be with you, that we get to live with you forever. Help us to live up to that calling, God. Help us to love each other well. In the name of Jesus, amen. So we'll start Ephesians 4, 1. Uh, says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Ouch. The first verse, he's got to go with the zinger right in the first verse. And let's go back to the first three chapters and talk more about the grace and inheritance stuff. Live a life worthy of the calling you've been given? How's that even possible? That's, that's a big ouch. I kind of just want to stop and, and take a breath. Why is that so tough? Why is it tough to live a life worthy of the calling we've been giving? Well, I think because a lot of times in our lives, our spiritual lives look a little bit like this. Best movie of all time. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, there's your takeaway for the day. Go see the movie Office Space. Um, I thought since Jacob keeps showing clips of Big Bang Theory, I had to combat that with uh, some, <laughs> some other... I, I think this video can describe how a lot of us uh, pursue God, how a lot of us view our relationship with God, um, how, what part we play in the kingdom, and, and how, how hard we're actually pushing in and trying. You know, I, there's a couple things that stood out, and this isn't about your work, but, although it is, because your work is part of being a disciple. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm trying just hard enough not to get fired, Right? I like that. I come on Sunday mornings. I throw a 20 in the offering bag every once in a while, right? I, sure, I'm on Twitter during the message, but I, I get the gist of what's happening. It's not that hard to follow. You see, I'm not lazy. It's a problem of motivation, right? I could spend time in prayer. I could reach out to that person in my life who is hurting, who, who needs someone to be there for him. I could do that, but what does that get me, right? If we're not careful, it's very easy to just accept the gifts that God has given us, the first three chapters of Ephesians, 
and not get to the fourth chapter of Ephesians about living a life worthy of the calling that God has given us. Uh, But to fully experience the kingdom of God, you have to get in the game. You have to pick up a shovel. You have to start to dig and get to work. I, I think it's like getting a brand new car that you bring home and you put in your garage and you never drive. That's a lot of people's spiritual life. Like, man, that car looks awesome. One day I'm going to drive it. And it's going to be really fun, right? And then you get in an old clunker and drive to work, right? You have to activate your spiritual life. Once you become a Christian, there's work for you to do to step in to be who God's called you to be. Uh, I'm a huge basketball fan, and the, the legendary coach of the Utah Jazz, we'll talk about why we're called the Utah Jazz one day, doesn't really make a lot of sense, uh, his name was Jerry Sloan, and he used to say, you can't play basketball in a tuxedo, right? And I think the Christian life is the same way. You can't be a disciple in a tuxedo. No, you can wear a tuxedo. It's okay. Don't go too deep with the meaning here. But you got to put your work clothes on, right? And you have to activate and be part of what God is doing to live a life worthy of the calling we've received. I think what Paul is talking about here is taking your spiritual life seriously and doing the hard work of the kingdom of God. What is the hard work of the kingdom of God? Is it moving? I'm going to sell all my stuff. I'm going to move to Africa. I'm going to live in a hut. I'm going to not use toilet paper anymore. Like, maybe. Maybe God calls you to that. I actually think that's easy compared to some of the stuff that God wants us to do, such as forgiving those who have hurt us. Tell you, I'd much rather go on a missions trip than dive into forgiving someone who has hurt me. That's a lot easier to do that. I'd rather come up, be on the worship team, play the guitar. Like, that's awesome. But if that, that's one step into the layers God wants to take you. He wants you to ruthlessly eliminate things in your life that take you away from Jesus and don't bring you closer to Jesus. What do you mean? Maybe it's the stuff you watch. Maybe it's the people you're around. Maybe it's those areas of compromise in your life that you don't want to deal with. Maybe it's pushing yourself out of your comfort zone to constantly strive to be better at loving people. Maybe it's to love that person who's very irritating. Possibly me. (laughs) God's calling you to love me, and it's, oh, that's really hard. He's super irritating. Well, here's the good news. The the calling is high. Live a life worthy of the calling that we have received. But he doesn't expect you to do it by yourself. He actually has given you the tools to do it. But I think one of two things happen. Either we have the office space clip where someone's like, hey, I'm good. Hey, worship's good today. Great job, Daniel. That's a nice song. I like it. So we have that end of it. Or we have the help, or we have the other end of it. It's, I'm going to do this by myself. I, I don't need anybody to be with me. I don't need a team. I don't need a group. I'm going to go do it by myself. And neither way is right. Because God has sent two key things in your life to help you live this life worthy of the calling you've received. The first is the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and we encourage you as a church that the Holy Spirit should be an active presence in your life. That that 
The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is the helper that comes alongside, that, that, that helps to open up uh, different things that God is showing you. We have classes here a couple times a year where we talk about the Holy Spirit and, and, and that. So that, that's one part of it. And then there's a second part. And this, I don't think most people have that many issues with the Holy Spirit. I think we're, we're good there. Jesus, Holy Spirit, we're good there. But there's another thing that he sent to help you live a life worthy. And this one's very controversial. So don't, you know, throw anything at me uh, during. I have all the balloons, so I'll be okay. Um, everyone has an opinion about the second thing. I say most not good. I've never talked to anyone in my life that when I talk to them about the second thing, that they didn't have an opinion about it. Mostly negative. I would argue that it is the thing that has done the most good in the world. And at the same time, the thing that has done the most harm in the world. How is that even possible? I can tell you that in my own life, that this thing has both saved my life at one time, that was instrumental in, in, in me being here today, and also was directly responsible for the lowest period in my life. Figuring out what it is yet? Many followers of Jesus have completely sworn off of it and says, I can live my faith without that. I don't need to be part of that to live as a follower of Christ. But when this thing is done right, it's unstoppable. And it's God's chosen plan for how he's going to save this world. You know what it is? Anybody? It's this. Ruffle any feathers yet? It is. It's, it's the church. It's the body of Christ. I've met lots of Christians um, who've been hurt by the church. And I can tell you, I have been hurt by the church in ways that I didn't even know I could be hurt. Uh, I was hurt by the church. But it wasn't because that was God's design for how the church would operate. That's because there's this thing in the church that messes everything up. You <laughs> and me, we're the thing in the church that messes everything up. But the church is God's gift to you to live a life worthy of the calling that he has called you. And when the church is operating correctly, when the church is following Jesus, there is nothing like it. And you know, if you've been part of Oasis for a while, you might come and, and we might not have the nicest building. We might not have the best teaching, sorry. We, we you know, we, we may forget your name even. But when you come to this place, I hope you leave and you know that you are loved. And that no matter what you do, you will be loved. That's the idea of the church. And in a world that is starving for real relationship and settling for counterfeits like social media... The church is the answer to that. And God is the answer for that. Um, I, I, you know, the, in the Bible, uh, it often refers to the church or the body of Christ as the bride of Christ. And I'll tell you something. If, if you want to be friends with me, you're probably going to need to be okay with Lisa. 
if you like me and you hate my wife, I don't know that we're going to be that great of friends. I would be honest with you. Now, probably but the other way is the way it really happens. I want to be friends with Lisa and Casey. Oh, I could take or leave him, right? You can't love the groom without loving the bride. Doesn't mean that you agree with everything that's happened in the church. I don't. I don't agree with everything that's happening in the church today. But God sent the church to help you take that next step uh, in your relationship with him. You can't do it alone. You can't. The Bible is very clear about the role of community in the life of a believer. So the next scripture outlines how this group, how this church should work together and, and, and how God has things for the church that implement all of us. So in chapter, or excuse me, verse 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another. Listen to this verse. If you haven't eaten your breakfast, you may want to stretch a little. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Ouch. You want victory? We've been talking about victory all year long. It's our focus this year. Be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Bear with one another. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Imagine what the church would be like if we actually did this. We actually made every effort at that unity. Imagine what the world would think of the church if we actually did this. I'm going to be honest, I really struggle with this. Um, I don't naturally like people. I'm just going to be real frank. I like isolation. <laughs> That's what I prefer. Um, I like people on TV. I like to watch TV. Like, I'd rather do that than, than hang out with people, right? It's easier. Um, and when I was preparing my message this week, God kept uh, reminding me of an er a time in which I really blew this. Um, and I was like, should I share it? Nah. And then I was like, yeah, I better share it, or he's going to make me relive it. Uh, so um, I had this person uh, that I went to church with that I couldn't stand. I'll be honest. I just could not stand. And every time he talked, I rolled my eyes. Jordan taught me how. Like, uh, I, I, I would I'd say he has an Eeyore complex. You know Eeyore from the Winnie the Pooh? Thanks for noticing me. And every time someone had an idea or every time someone was sharing, his response was always, like, felt negative to me. And it felt like a downer. So I was talking about why we couldn't do things instead of why we could do things. And I remember I planned this event at our church that we were going to, and I thought it was everything I want the church to be. It was focused on people bringing their friends. They came. We fed them breakfast. It was amazing. We did uh, waffles. It was really fun. We had a very creative presentation of the gospel, and people accepted Jesus into their life, and I was on cloud nine. I was like, this is what church should be, right? And we had a debriefing meeting, and they were like, what do you guys think? How did it go? And, and this person's like, you know, I really didn't like it. And I was like, you know what? I don't really like you. <laughs> I didn't, but that's what I felt like. Everything he did set me off. Poor Lisa, 
had to hear about it all the time. And she did her pleasant smile, right? Because she really loves people. And I tell you, this went on for years, years and years. And it was just always this thing that I would do whatever I could to avoid this person. Uh, anytime there was something we needed to plan and we were, had groups or committees or things, I would think in my head, okay, how do I not be on the same one as this person? For years. So anyway, the, the church ended up closing, and, which was, was kind of sad. Um, but I was kind of like, oh, well, at least that problem's dealt with. I'm being vulnerable, people. Stop judging me. <laughs> and I was very happy that I felt like the issue had been solved. But back in, in my spirit, I kept say, hearing God say, "That's no, it's not solved. No, you, need, you need to talk to him. You need to do this. And I didn't. I wouldn't. I was adamant with God that I would not take that step. So years later, we're in a church. And guess who comes walking in? Yep. God's like, okay, Casey, you didn't want to deal with it back then? Guess what? You get another chance. <laughs> Sometimes we forget that's part of grace, right? Is It's not just everything's okay if you mess up. Grace is also like, guess what? You're going to keep doing this till you figure it out. And I'd like to say that I reached out right away and like, God, I hear you. Okay, let's get together. Let's have some coffee. It wasn't until this person decided to move away that he actually reached out to me and said, Casey, I'd love to get together and, ha- and just talk. I have some financial decisions I need to make, and I could really use someone's ear to, to talk this out with. And I was a financial counselor. Uh, I've worked in finance and banking. It's kind of one of my gifts, I think. And uh, would you sit with me and my wife and, and talk with us? And I was like, no. No, I wasn't. <laughs> this time I was like, yes, I will sit. Yeah, let's do it. How about midnight on Wednesday? Oh, that doesn't work? Oh, shoot. Sorry about that. I guess it's not going to work. <laughs> you think I'm joking. Uh, <clears throat> so we sat together, and he and his wife humbly just laid out what, what they were going through and some decisions they needed to make. And, and uh, that act of just reaching out to me in a humble way, it broke down my defenses. And I started to see what God loved about this person. And I started to see that God had wonderfully made him, just like he wonderfully made me. And that all these years, over a decade, if I added them up, that I had missed out on this relationship because of my stupid stubbornness. So, I don't know if he had the same thing going on. I'm not going to ask him. Um, but he made every effort towards unity. I got to go to repent. <laughs> That's what I got. And God got to teach me about relationships and about community. I wish I had been the one to reach out. I really do but I wasn't. Make every effort to keep the unity. Verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. 
one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's not a Presbyterian faith and a Catholic faith. There is one faith, one baptism. We are one body of Christ. This is uh, really fresh in my mind. Uh, I was part of a team. We just came back from Cambodia. Um, I have the coronavirus. I just wanted... No, I don't. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Many people were very worried that we would have the coronavirus. I shouldn't make fun of that. That's really bad. Repentance. Uh, We wore masks, and we we did what we were supposed to. Um, But if you don't know, Oasis has been a part of a partnership in Cambodia for, for years, and we have a church upstairs that is uh, Cambodian that meets every week. If you want to have some fun, go upstairs and pop in and just sit down. They'll be okay with it, I'm sure. They'll smile at you. They'll love you. Uh, but over the years, many churches have been planted in Cambodia, and we've got to be part of that. We're not in charge of it. We're, we're just we're partners with what they are doing. We get to pray for them, and we do some training. We get to go worship with them. And we've now done this a number of years that we've had relations. We've seen kids grow up. We've seen all this cool stuff happen there. And I I was thinking about this as we were on the plane because I had lots of time to think about it. Um, And I did the numbers. You know, here in Salt Lake, we are 8,049 miles um, from where we stayed in Siem Reap, Cambodia. To get there, we took three flights totaling 23 hours in the air. I was, Honestly, there's not too many places to go that are further than this. Because if they were, you would just go the other way, right? <laughs> this is actually our flight path to get there. I don't know why we did a big giant loop. I did wake up in the, in the middle of the flight and looked at the screen that showed the tracker, and it said we were over North Korea. And I thought, that's probably not good. And I, like, tapped the screen, and it adjusted. We weren't over North Korea. But I thought we were. It was like, I'm pretty sure that's a no-fly zone. I don't know. (laughs) But here's what's amazing. After all that traveling, the minute we got there and we walked into the Chinoa Vineyard, we were home. We were with family. Because it's one church, one faith, one baptism, We're a family, together. We are them, and they are us. We have to do this together. Here's your thesis for today. You don't get to do this on your own. You don't. It won't work. You need me, and I need you. It won't work on your own. You can't do it by yourself. Verse 11. So Christ gave, him, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of fullness of Christ. Doesn't work by yourself. It doesn't say he made Casey the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. 
and he doesn't need any of the rest of y'all. Take a hike, right? He doesn't say he made Casey and Daniel the apostle, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. No, it takes all of us to be able to do this. And if you're not doing your part, if you're not stepping into those gifts God has given you, guess what? It impacts me. And if I'm not stepping in to the places that God has called me, it is affecting you. This is why we need to encourage each other and to support each other. There's a selfish reason to do it, right? It's, we're better when we're together. God didn't give all the gifts to one person. It's actually part of how we're building the model of Oasis. You'll notice we have different people up here teaching every week. That's different for a lot of churches. A lot of churches, the pastor teaches every week. And that's it. And you better like it. If you don't, go find another one, right? That's what people do. But we know that the team idea is better. With our worship team, with everything we're doing, it's the idea of team and community. That's the model that God has given us. It didn't, he didn't call one disciple. He called 12 disciples, right? There was the, then there was the 70. There was, God is about teams. He's about groups. He's about community. And that's how we're supposed to live. Can't do it by yourself. We need one another. Okay, now for a Star Trek metaphor. I know you've been waiting for it. When I was growing up, um, I loved Star Trek The Next Generation. It's the only science fiction thing I'll ever talk to you about, I promise. No promises when Jacob's up here. You're probably going to get it every time. Uh, all the young people in the room, I'm sorry. This is a dated reference. It is on Netflix. I looked it up. So if this so inspires you, you can go watch Star Trek The Next Generation. But the thing I loved about this show is I loved the team that was on this show. Anyone else watch this? Yeah. It's the best Star Trek by far. Then get out. <laughs> Rebecca, we don't need your gifts. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Now I got to repent again. Crap. Ah, oh, this is so hard. <laughs> so on this, this fictional show, this ship, I think there were kingdom principles happening there. Um, let, me, let me introduce the characters to you in case you don't know, okay? First, the best one was Lieutenant Commander Data. Now, he was an android, a robot for less sophisticated folks, created by a brilliant yet controversial scientist. Anyone know the name? Thanks, Jacob. Appreciate it. <laughs> Dr. Noon, I should have done some trivia. It would have been fun. So data can process an amazing amount of information uh, in record time, right? He reads a book like, right? He doesn't need food. He doesn't need rest. He doesn't need oxygen. That bailed them out several times, I will tell you, the fact that they could send data in where there was no oxygen. But poor data. He can't experience or express emotion. Right? And he's always trying to connect with feelings and what being human is really about. Then, Lieutenant Worf. Now, Worf has a very interesting story. The, the Klingon, he's Klingon. He's the head of security. He was an orphan. Has Klingon parents, but was raised by humans. 
Oh, the shame. <laughs> if you're Klingon. His father's honor was questioned. And if, if you know Klingons, honor is everything, right? He's super brave. He's super strong. Uh, my favorite line of his was always, today is a good day to die. <laughs> right? In battle. Right? But he's always wondering if he really is a man of honor, right? He's always questioning that. He's always trying to prove that he is and that his family is. All right. Commander Troy. Half, what, what is she, everyone? Counselor, yes. She's Betazoid, which are empaths, right? But she is only half Betazoid. And so she could only sense people's feelings. Pretty good for a counselor, right? All right, is this getting annoying yet? Uh, too bad. I have the mic. Dr. Crusher, right? Brilliant medical person, uh, highly caring, kind of everyone's mom on the ship, the moral compass uh, of the ship. Uh, First Officer Riker, handsome and cocky, right? Very, uh, very uh, accomplished. He, he always wins. That, that's kind of his personality. He lives life to the fullest. Uh, and he gave up his own command to be part of this team, right? And then, because you have Captain Picard, right, who each week uses this crew's strengths and weaknesses in order to save the universe, right? Oh, Jordy. Jordy, head of engineering, right? But he's blind. But he has a visor that, that really is like a girl's hair thing, I think. Uh, that helps him see better than the average human, or does it? <laughs> right? <laughs> Each character had their own strengths and their own weaknesses. And in fact, usually it was one character's weakness that got the group in trouble, and then they had to find a strength from another one in order to make it okay. Right? If there was only one of them, they would not have saved the universe week after week, and I would not have watched it week after week. Right. I know this is a cheesy analogy, but I think there's some truth in it. And I think each of us has unique gifts and talents and, frankly, weaknesses that we need the rest of the group for. God has given you gifts that I need. And he's given me gifts that you need. And only by working together can we really experience the kingdom of God. We have to do it together. Because if we don't, verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. You are prey when you're by yourself. If you're trying to do this on your own, you are susceptible to this. But doing it with the team Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We have to do this together. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it without the help of the Holy Spirit, and you can't do it without the body of Christ, without the church. You'll never reach the fullness that God has for you in your life if you, do, if, if you 
avoid the two tools that he's given you to do it. I'm going to invite the worship team forward. So what what do we do with all this? I think there's three things, and, and maybe you're in one of three places. The first is that we have to acknowledge what Christ did. And maybe you're not at that place yet. That's okay. You're welcome here. We welcome, if, if, if you're just trying to figure this out, that's fine. But we have to acknowledge that we're forgiven, that we're redeemed, that we're part of a family. And if you're not there, that's your first step, is to acknowledge that. Second, we need to commit our lives to be worthy of the calling we've received. It's time to freaking grow up, right? If you've been a Christian baby for decades, it's time to grow up, because a teenager in a diaper is just disturbing, <laughs> right? And there are a lot of Christians that are teenagers or, frankly, geriatric and still in diapers. It's time to get potty trained. It's time to grow in your faith. Stop phoning it in. Third, we have to embrace the tools that God has given us. This means the Holy Spirit. This means the church. And... Um, means really pushing in, using the gifts God has given you. And I want to encourage you, you know, Sunday mornings are terrific, and we're so glad you come. But there's a deeper level than just Sunday mornings. In fact, we constantly, as we're trying to prepare Sunday mornings, we realize we can't, there's a level of depth that we can get to. That's it. Where you go deeper is in small groups. We have a number of small groups How much easier could we make it? Nina is doing it virtually, right? (laughs) You need to be in a small group. 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 If you're by yourself, you're a target. You know, I've been studying the book of Acts, and it amazes me how the early church really understood this. And you want to talk about all in, man. They sold everything they owned. Can you imagine going home today and putting your house on the market, selling your car, emptying your 401k? And they gave it to those in need among them and the poor. Now, I'm not telling you to do that. (laughs) Baby steps, all right? But I am telling you, you need to be in a community. You need to be part of a group. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your plan that I don't have to do this on my own, God, that we don't have to do this on our own. Your word says, God, that you put lonely into families. And God, we thank you for our our earthly families, God, but we thank you too for the spiritual families that you've put us in. We thank you for this group of believers, God. We thank you that we could cover each other's weaknesses, God, that we can encourage and lift each other up, that we can love each other. Help us to do it right, God. Help us to go deeper, God. We pray in the name of Jesus.